A few weeks ago, we celebrated the day of Pentecost, and we saw how on that first day of Pentecost, that God poured out his spirits onto his church to strengthen and equip his church to do the work of going into the world and making disciples of all nations. And as we look at the history of the church, we really see how God has beautifully held true in preserving this promise. But as we look at the history of the church, we see that that something else has continued right alongside this promise of God. The church has continued to face persecution. As we look back on the history of the church, that soon after the day of Pentecost, as the apostles were going out from Jerusalem, the religious leaders at that time were doing anything they could to try and stamp out those who were proclaiming the gospel message. As we go some years later, the Roman Empire, we see, was a, a severe persecutor of the Christian church where, where they went so far as to, to place Christians on stakes and even fed them to lions. If we go some years later, we see how Martin Luther and his Reformation movement, where he had rediscovered the truth of the gospel and was once again proclaiming it to anyone he could. And yet the Catholic Church and King Charles himself were going to do anything in their power to try and eradicate Martin Luther and his movement. And even today, the persecution against the Christian church continues. That as we look at various parts of the world, there are Christians who, who face the threat of death for confessing their faith. And while we here in America don't face the threat of death for confessing our faith, we do still face persecution and opposition. And persecution and opposition that, that tries to chip away at our faith to try to lead us away from the truth that we've come to know. But the church has and will continue to face persecution. But the question we need to answer in regards to this is how should we as Christians respond to it? How should we as Christians respond to the persecution and opposition that is guaranteed to come? Should we band together and do what we can to fight back against those who are persecuting us and opposing us? Or should we hunker down and, and hide our faith from the outside world so that we can avoid the persecution that will come to those who confess their faith and just gather with, with fellow believers how should we respond to the persecution and opposition that is guaranteed to come in this world? Well, it's this question that Paul gives us a beautiful answer to in our verses for today. And leading up to our verses for today, Paul is writing his final letter to Timothy. And as he's writing this letter, he's doing so as he's sitting in a prison cell for proclaiming the gospel message. And as he's doing this, he tells Timothy that the persecution against Christianity is just going to continue to get worse. But with this in mind, he encourages Timothy to continue in the Holy Scriptures which he's known from infancy. Because the Scriptures are what would make Timothy and all believers wise for salvation through faith in Christ and equip Timothy and every believer for every good work. And it's with this in mind that leads to our verses for today where Paul tells Timothy to now use the word in his ministry 
with diligence. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who is going to judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom. What Paul is telling here is so vitally important for the well-being of the church that he calls on God and Christ as witnesses to the work that Timothy was going to do, placing him under oath to do the work he was called to do. And he reminds Timothy that Christ is the one who had come to judge the living and the dead on the very last day. And with this final judgment in mind, he tells Timothy that his work as a called minister of the gospel is to preach the word. And with these simple words, Paul summarizes the entirety of the work that Timothy was called to do. And he was to do this work at all times, always ready to proclaim the gospel message so that he could make use of any opportunity that God would place in his path. And as he went out and did this work, he was to correct, rebuke, and encourage. He was to correct false errors and ideas that he came into contact with. Timothy was to rebuke those who had fallen into sins that were damaging their faith. But most importantly, Paul was to encourage, Timothy was to encourage by building others up with the message of God's love that is shown through the work of Christ. Really, Paul was telling Timothy to proclaim the messages of law and gospel, the two foundational teachings that are found in God's Word. And as Timothy went out with the message of law and gospel, he was to go and do this work with patience and careful instruction. To take the time to, to listen to the people he was interacting with so that he could properly apply the messages of law and gospel depending on what the person in front of him needed to hear at that time. That this is the work that Timothy was called to do. And the reason Paul had called on God and Christ as witnesses in regards to this work that Timothy was to do is because Paul knew that Timothy was going to face the temptation to abandon the truth of the gospel and to proclaim a different message. For there will come a time when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, because they have itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in line with their own desires. And they will also turn away from the truth and will turn aside to myths. That Paul knew that the truth of the gospel message, sound doctrine, is offensive to sinners. And because of this, it was going to lead many to want to go and to, to seek after false teachings and false teachers. And the reason sound doctrine is offensive to sinners was because sound doctrine exposes sins. It tells sinners to turn away from the sinful desires of their heart and to instead turn to Christ. And sound doctrine is also offensive to sinners because it tells sinners that there is nothing that they could ever do on their own to earn God's grace, mercy, and forgiveness. And because sound doctrine is offensive to sinners, well, Paul knew that times would come when many weren't going to put up with sound doctrine, and instead they were going to go and seek after teachers 
who were going to tell them what their itching ears wanted to hear. That Paul knew there would be many who would go and, and seek after teachers who weren't going to expose their sins and tell them that what they were doing was sinful. Paul knew that many were going to go and seek after teachers who were going to tell people that the works that they do here in this life are so great and glorious that surely God is going to grant them a place in heaven because of these very things. And because many would go to find teachers that would satisfy the itch of what their ears wanted to hear rather than going to a teacher who would proclaim the truth of the gospel message and satisfy their greatest spiritual need, many would abandon the truth. And Paul tells Timothy that when he starts to see people leaving his congregation, leaving his church, that he wasn't to change his message to suit the masses. Instead, Timothy was to keep a clear head in every situation, to bear hardship and do the work of an evangelist and to fulfill his ministry. But things weren't going to be easy. Timothy was going to face persecution for proclaiming the truth of the gospel message. And more than that, Timothy was also going to face situations where, because he was proclaiming the truth of the gospel message, that many were going to be leaving him and his teaching because of this. But whenever these things would start to happen, and no matter how bad it would get, Paul tells Timothy to fulfill his ministry. And the only way Timothy could do that was by continuing to proclaim the truth of the gospel. And while what Paul wrote to Timothy in our verses for today may have been to someone who is a called minister of the gospel, but the work of proclaiming the word to all nations is something that each and every Christian is called and equipped to do. And as we go out and do this work, as we look at our world today, it's pretty easy to see that we are going to face persecution and opposition for doing this work. And it's no secret that we live in dangerous times. But we live in dangerous times, maybe not for the reason you think. You see, the church has and will continue to face persecution. But the church has always been able to find comfort in God's promise that all of the, the persecution and opposition that Satan sends against the church will never overcome it. And because we've always been able to find comfort in this promise from God, the persecution and opposition really poses no real threat or danger in of itself. The real danger of the persecution and opposition is that Satan can get us to fall into his trap by responding to it with something other than the truth of the gospel. And there are various ways we can fall into Satan's trap. Maybe as we look at our world today and see all of the false ideas and teachings that are out there, maybe it leads us to be filled with, with anger as we see how far people are giving into the sinful desires of their flesh. And when we're given an opportunity to respond to these false ideas and teachings, whether it be in person or whether it be through something like social media, can we let our emotions get the best of us and lash out against these false ideas and teachings with words of hate and anger 
rather than with words that are founded on the truth of God's word. Or maybe we can fall into Satan's trap another way that's just as bad. That as we see the false ideas and teachings in our world today, can we be tempted to just ignore them? And to think that they'll believe what they'll believe and will believe what we'll believe. And also think that it's, it's not worth proclaiming the gospel message to them anyways. Because do you really think that someone like that, or do you really think those people would ever come to faith if I proclaim the gospel message to them? And if Satan can get us to fall into his traps, if Satan can get us to respond in ways such as this, where we don't proclaim the truth of the gospel message, then that's how he wins. So let's hear Paul's encouragement to Timothy today and take it to heart. Let's proclaim the gospel message in any and every situation because it's this message that we and all people so desperately need to hear. It's this message that assures sinners that through the work of Christ they have full and free forgiveness. And it's this message that even comforts sinners like you and me. And knowing that even for the times that we have failed and will fail to proclaim the truth of God's word in situations where we know that we should have, that because Christ always perfectly responded to persecution and opposition in his life, and even responded to it by giving up his own life on the cross, that we've been forgiven for these very times. And let that be our comfort. And let that lead us to go and to share this message with others. Now, Paul, in our first few verses, wanted to make sure Timothy knew that as he went out with the gospel message that he was going to face persecution. But Paul maybe realized that as he spoke these really difficult words to Timothy, that it was maybe going to scare Timothy from wanting to continue in the holy ministry. And so, as our verses continue, he assures Timothy that this work is worth it by using his own life as an example. You see, Timothy, I, Paul, am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. This Paul is sitting in prison, knowing that the, the final things that would lead to his martyrdom were put in place. He's not terrified of death, but what his death does is it really leads him to think back on his ministry. And as Paul does this, he looks back and sees that he fought the good fight, that he resisted temptation and battled against those who sought to destroy the church. That he finished the race, meaning that he followed the course which the Lord had laid out for him. And he kept the faith meaning that he continued to believe and preserve the truth as God had revealed it to him. And as Paul faces death and thinks back on his ministry, he doesn't do so with regret, but he does so with joy and anticipation, knowing that what awaited him was the crown of righteousness. And from now on, there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, the Lord, the righteous judge, will give it to me on that day. And not only to me, 
but also to everyone who loved his appearing. And while Paul already possessed the perfect righteousness of Christ through faith, he looks forward to the day when he and all those who are clothed with the right robe of Christ's righteousness will be privileged on the last day to wear the crown of righteousness. And what a beautiful truth Paul brings out, especially considering the fact that he had faced all kinds of persecution throughout his life. And in spite of this, in spite of the hardships and persecutions, this was always what he was looking forward to. And what a comfort these words must have been for Timothy. And what a beautiful comfort these words are for those of us here today. That if by the power of the Holy Spirit we remain in the truth of God's word, this is what the gift is that we will receive. Because the gift is eternal life in heaven, we pray that God keep us firmly rooted on the truth of his word. And that he lead us to the message we so desperately need to hear and to not follow after the teachings that our sinful hearts so desperately want to hear. And we pray that God continue to strengthen our faith, to be so bold as to go out and to proclaim this message, even to those who persecute and oppose us, so that they too may receive the crown of righteousness on the last day. Amen.